And we're back. This week's episode is a sit-down conversation with Heidi Ball and Heather Dever. Heidi and Heather both volunteer their time to help the Flanders Nature Center. They're involved in organizing and planning the Flanders Field and Forest 5K, which is happening Friday, June 3rd. This is a race that we have participated in and sponsored every year since its inception in 2015, and we are looking forward to it being involved for another successful year. The race is not your average 5K, and it's one of two fundraisers that Flanders puts on each year. All the proceeds will benefit the Flanders Nature Center and Land Trust. It's a family-friendly event, and after the race, there's live music, food trucks, and it's just a great time all around. I need to thank Heidi and Heather for being willing to sit down and talk about things, and I hope you all enjoy. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to highlight the event sponsors that help make this race happen. Starting with the ultramarathon level sponsors, we have Ion Bank and Showcase Realty, Inc. Moving to the marathon level, we have Michael Friedman Orthodontics. Next up at the half marathon level, we have my personal favorite, Strongtown Fitness, as well as Aquarion Water Company, the law offices of Dana D'Angelo, LLC, Homes by Heather, Moore, O'Brien, and Fonty Law Firm, Rich and John's Complete Chimney Service, and Woodbury Fitness on Main. Moving to the 10K level, we have Connecticut Home Navigator, Gager, Bauer, and Scalzo LLP, Kenneth Lynch and Sons, Inc., Manzi Insurance and Real Estate, Senate Law Firm, LLC, Stone Veterinary Hospital, Dr. Gary Westerman, and Woodbury Brewing Company. Finally, at the 5K level, we have Ken's Hardware, the Savings Bank of Danbury, and Southbury Printing Center. Thank you all, and we look forward to seeing you at the race. Welcome to another episode of Strongtown Talks. I am your host, Dan Gallagher. This is a show where we talk with the people and friends of the Strongtown community. Okay, guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of Strongtown Talks. I am here today with Heather and Heidi, and this was sort of an episode that we tried to do a little while ago, and last year, unfortunately, didn't happen. I'm excited to get you guys here today because what we were talking about is the upcoming Flanders Field and Forest 5K trail run, and the race is scheduled for, I believe it's Friday, June 3rd, and you both i believe are involved with flanders and organizing the race and i thought it'd be a cool opportunity to get you on to the podcast today to sort of talk about the race and just bring people up to speed and i know we've had the gym personally for us we've been involved with the flanders race since 2015 so we've i've tried to do it every year it's something i look forward to so i'm really excited about it and normally when i start these episodes i like to have uh, the guests just kind of introduce themselves talk about who you are, where you grew up, and I apologize, I don't know your last names. I'm going to have a hard enough time separating Heather and Heidi throughout this episode. <laughs> so, uh, Heather, if we can start with you, maybe? Sure. So, I'm Heather Dever. I am a volunteer with Flanders. Heidi and I are co-chairing the event for the second or third year, the second, and it's been in existence since 2015, so seven years going strong. It's the group of People who are enthusiastic about Flanders and running, I'll say, you know, us who are involved with the organizing of the race. I started running when I was 35, so a lot later in life than lots of folks. You know, the thought of doing a 5K was like, why would anyone do that? I get um, beat by little kids out there every year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed by one, how young they are and that they're doing these races. But yeah, I'm very similar where I started running a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. And I, running is definitely something that I'm really passionate about. And I like just the fitness community in general. It's really welcoming. And I think it's fun to do as a whole family. So you do see lots of kids on the course and yeah. stuff. And and it's a lot of fun. But I live in Middlebury, you know, four kids and... Four kids? Yeah. Well, we're a blended family, so okay. three three and one. What's the oldest but, and youngest? Well, 27 down to 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. That so. is a spread. Yes, it is quite a spread. It's a lot, it keeps us busy for sure. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Yeah. We have like a foot in both worlds, I'll say, you know, with uh, middle school age and then post-college and, and yeah. college. Yeah after college, right? I'm sure um, that keeps you busy. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. But, you know, Flanders is a wonderful organization and we're just happy to donate our time and do this fun thing for the community and for Flanders. Yeah. So, Heidi? 
Uh, Heidi Ball. I grew up in Middlebury and I live in Woodbury with my husband, dog, and son. He's 12. And I ha was a board member at Flanders up until this year. And as Heather said, got involved with the inaugural race in 2015. And yeah, just happy to support Flanders as it is such a great asset to our community. I started running in high school and did my first marathon when I was 26 and haven't really stopped. So okay. <laughs> I do prefer 26 miles over 5K. I think a 5K hurts your lungs, a marathon hurts your legs. It's a very different intensity. It is. But yeah, I get nervous before a 5K. So I'm happy to be co-chairing the race instead of running it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same here. And have you both been, how did you both get involved with Flanders? So I know, Heather, you mentioned you're from Middlebury. Has it just yeah. been, because well, I grew up in Woodbury, so I we used to have field trips there, and I remember going there when I was younger. Was it the kids going there that got you first involved, yeah, or was well, it just... so I grew up in Waterbury. We didn't really have much open space, like we're so lucky to have around here with um, Flanders. I think it's kind of one of those things you can't avoid if you live in Middlebury. It's, you you know, go for a while. I love to be outside, so walking and, you know, having dogs, taking them on hikes. And, yeah. You know, bird watching, the bog, the there are just so many things. And then they have the great summer programs for children, yes. camps, and we do the wreath making in the wintertime. I got their emails. They're very active all year. They do the maple syrup thing. Yeah, um, yeah, that's always fun to go and see how that's done. Did that for the first time at Flanders just a couple of years ago. And actually this year we're fortunate enough to have enough maple syrup that those will be our prizes for all the age groups, every prize will be maple really? syrup this year, which we've not been fortunate enough like to. Like maple syrup from the trees. Made from point. Flanders, yeah. That's really exciting. We've not had enough in the past to do that. So this year, yeah, we're happy for that. Yep. Yeah, I wonder why the boom year for maple syrup. But I'm sure there's someone who knows why, I'm but sure. <laughs> it's not, not us. <laughs> it's not me either. No, can either of you talk a little bit about sort of the history of Flanders? I, you know, I mentioned that I grew up in Woodbury. I feel like they've been there forever. Do you, either of you know when Flanders... I should know more. Kind of like the origin having, story of the Nature Center? Yeah, I should know more having been on the board. And I did at one point. But Natalie Van Vleck started it. Okay. Um, And she had that property. She was an artist and obviously a lover of nature and was passionate about preserving land. And um, that's really what the origins were. So Flanders, as the organization grew, it is very important to them to recognize both the land trust aspect of it and preserving land, plus also the educational aspect of all ages um, so that you are able to keep people engaged or get them engaged right. in nature and really appreciate the necessity of preserving land. Adding to what Heidi said, Flanders' mission is to provide opportunities to appreciate nature's wonders and preserve land, inspiring lifelong learning about our natural world. So I think you, you said spot that. On. Great. That's pretty much exactly what know. you said. I think there's 11 different pockets properties, of land properties. Yes. yes. Are they connected or are they, no. kind of, like you mentioned the word pockets? No, they're not connected. The biggest two are Van Vleck and then the Whittemore Sanctuary. And as they, you know, acquire land, there is a strategy and they would like to have pockets that are, or other pieces of land that are contiguous, but that's not a requirement um, okay. when somebody donates land or when they acquire land. It's really, if it's in the, you know, general area, you know, we're not going to go get land in Kent. Um, right. Right. <laughs> um, they, they do really strategically um, or assess the acquisition from a strategic perspective and does it fit into the intent of Flanders and, you know, keep it within the community, basically Middlebury and Woodbury for the most part, but okay. there are some little bits that bleed. Is there any in Bethlehem by any chance? There might be some that kind of get close to Bethlehem or just a little bit over the border, yeah. but primarily Middlebury and Woodbury. Yeah. And they're in unexpected places. Like I live in Middlebury up off of Breakneck Hill and there's oh, yeah. the Hetzel Preserve there, which was an old, you know, farmland donated to Flanders, I'm not sure how many years ago, but it was started as a nonprofit in 1963. Oh, wow. Okay, that goes back a ways. Yeah, so oddly enough, the land that you just mentioned, the Hetzel property, I grew up in Middlebury. It abutted my parents' backyard where I grew up. Right. And then now I live on White Deer Rack Road. We also almost abut. Okay. I think we do actually abut Flanders. I grew so up on it's kind of all over. 
Tuttle Road in Woodbury. Oh, no way. And so the, I run past your old house all I'm the time. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Actually, when I first moved there, my mother used to walk on Tuttle Road. And then she had to stop doing it because people fly down. Yeah, they do go like very fast. Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think it, she had a couple of close calls that sort of freaked her out a little bit. So she no longer, or she yeah, stopped walking I've on the road sometimes. Yeah, I've had a few, sometime. but I just still keep going. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm running on Tuttle. On Tuttle, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a little yep. bit busy. And now I'm in the habit of whenever I... If I do do any road running, I just wear a little neon vest just to mm, help. Because you assume that people can see you, but they don't always. Right. Yeah. How many acres is Flanders altogether? Flanders holds in trust more than 2,400 acres of open space in Woodbury, Bethlehem, Southbury, and Middlebury. Wow. Okay. Yes, that's a considerable area of property. And they're kind of in sort of this yeah, Woodbury, Middlebury, Southbury, Bethlehem. Yep. Yeah. Whittemore Sanctuary is 686 acres. That's good. That's one of their big, well, it's second to the Van Vleck. Which one is, is Whittemore and Middlebury? That's the one that goes off of 64 okay. and then connects back over to White Deer Rock. Okay. Yes. That's good to know. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much everything on the right side of 64 when you're heading from yeah. Lake Quasipog down to Woodbury. Now, once... So you mentioned Flanders is the, sort of these pockets of land. Once they sort of take over a property, I forget the farm that you mentioned in Middlebury, but so that land basically can't be developed. It's protected at that point. And are all their, I don't know if you'd know this, but are, are all their properties um, parks in some ways or are any of them just basically preserved land that isn't? Because I know the, the one off 64, there is a little bit of a, you, know, you can pull off the road, there's a little bit of some signage there, and then there's a small parking lot, and then there's a couple of trails that they sort of developed throughout the, the property. Are they all like that, or are some of them just kind of just land that's preserved to basically be for nature? Most do have a parking area, not as extensive as the Whittemore Sanctuary, and a trail. I'm not sure if all have um some of the smaller ones don't necessarily have a very well developed trail or groom trail, but most of them do so that you can at least go and walk. Yeah. And then Flanders, obviously they under the, um, there's a certified by the land trust association five years ago or so. It was their first time that they got certified. I need to look this up, but anyway, so with that, they need to make sure that they are, following certain rules with preserving the land. There's a whole team at Flanders that are the land stewards, the land trust stewards to make sure that people aren't dumping or infringing on the property and that it is really maintained as it's meant to be according to the land trust um, guidelines, which for Flanders to get certified, they already were like living and abiding by those rules. So it wasn't a big stretch, but it's more the, you know, there's still work to get that done and it was quite an accomplishment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know how many people are involved with the organization of Flanders? I know we have Paula Barron at the gym. I think she is a she's a volunteer, I believe. So she puts up her time. I know a lot of times when I would do the race, there'd always be a point in the trail where it's like I pass Paula and she cheer me on and stuff like that. But how many people are on the team of Flanders? A lot, and yeah. they rely on volunteers a lot. Um, we have one person, a, a full-time employee that's not her full-time job, isn't um, just the volunteer organization, but it her there is a dedicated person to organizing the volunteers because everything from the trail run, we must have at least 50 volunteers for the trail run between the, you know, soup to nuts, everything. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then any of the programs that they have at night, those are all volunteers that help organize that and be there that evening. They're ambassadors of Flanders. Camp's not all volunteers, obviously. Um, but I would bet individual names, there's got to be at least 100 each year Wow, for Flanders. We should get that, though, Heather, from Anna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we work closely. We're, we're volunteers, and we work closely with the Flanders staff, you know, office staff, the, the executive director, Vince, and... We attend monthly meetings, you know, to get everything organized for for this event. And we all have our little responsibilities. Like Paula is really helpful in securing the musical talent for, okay. for the event. So, yeah, that is her yes. job. I guess yes. so. Well, her we, dog is named Elvis. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, Rich plays in a band, yes. too. So she's been great. The band this year is... The Bluesy Land Band. The Bluesy Land Band. Bluesy yes. Land Band. That's a that's a tongue twister. Yes. It's new this year for us. Yeah. So Yeah, they they've played at Woodbury Brewing Company before. Yeah. Um 
Paula has seen them live. So they're, they'll be there with us on Friday. No, that's exciting. Um, June 3rd. And the races, it's always the first Friday in June, is my understanding. Yep. Yes. Because yep. I, I was talking to Paula earlier, and I told her, I'm like, I felt like it was normally later for some reason, and I must have just been wrong. You know what? I think in the earlier years, we may have had it the second weekend, because the first couple years, uh, Friday was the Flanders race, and then that Sunday was Litchfield Hills. And when we were picking the okay. date, there was a little bit of, oh, is it, are they going to conflict? It's like, I have 48 hours to get ready for Litchfield if you're going to do both. So I think it w- the initial years may have been a little bit later. That could be. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's just what I'm remembering. But the past few have been the first weekend. And you know, one thing we were talking a little bit about it before we start recording, but one of the things I've always enjoyed about the race is that it's a Friday evening, which is a little bit non-traditional for a lot of 5K runs just because most races, they start earlier in the morning. You're done by kind of noon. Uh, Flanders, one of the things I enjoy about it each year is, you know, you have the race component, but then there is this it's like a social event afterwards where you guys get the food trucks there. There's a band playing music. I remember one year you guys got the Woodbury taco truck and he absolutely killed it, but best taco around. It, really, yeah. <laughs> it actually, they really are. I need to get him on this podcast, but <laughs> so I just enjoy the fact that it's like this social event after the race. And it's not just kind of, you do the race and then, you know, nice to see you. Goodbye. Yeah. But like people do end up hanging out there. I end up seeing quite a few friends who I, used to go to high school with it's people that i don't really see very often and i I can almost literally count on seeing them there each year after the race just wandering around bumping into people yeah Yeah, the first year we did it i just remember coming home and you're exhausted um we were on the committee but um we weren't sharing it so i actually ran it and i just went to bed that night i was like oh my god i just had this great feeling like it was such a great community event you see families out there they're very, you know, usually you go to bed and you're worried about work and what's going to happen the next day. And I just want to be like, oh, my God, it was such a great experience and just a nice, I don't know, feeling. Yeah. yeah. Just like a good, warm, cozy feeling. Like it was, yeah, it was just a, it's a great event. Have you guys ever run the race yourself? I think I've only run yes. it two or three times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, couple, few times. It's hard, that it hill is. going up and then going down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not the place to PR, that's for sure. No. 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 I think, you know, one of the things that CrossFit, one of their mantras is sort of preparing yourself for the unknown and knowable. One of the things I've always enjoyed about trail running is that it is much different than road running and some of these other races where it's just a little bit more kind of finding your pace and just trying to like keep going. The fact that you're on the trail, it does make you pay attention to a little bit more about the, the you know, your immediate surroundings and sort of everything going on. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed it. Yeah, it's definitely it a challenging course. It's And we've pretty much kept the same course for seven yeah. years. It was designed yeah. by Arthur. Arthur Milner, the previous executive director. He was okay. with Flanders for I many, was in 25 years, yeah, a long so, time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We had a girl here, um, Kate Carey, and she recently moved out to Utah. But I know her mother was very involved with Flanders for oh. a long time. And I, I wish I could remember her mom's name, but I can't. But I think... Last year, Kate bumped. In. Is Arthur still there a little bit? Oh yeah, he's yeah. still around. He volunteers oh, okay. and he shows up at the race. Yeah. So I yeah. think Kate bumped into Arthur there, and they reconnected, and they were talking about her mom. It was a really cool sort of moment. Yeah. How many people do the race each year? Do you know what your overall attendance is? Like we're around four hundred. I think last year was actually a record. I think it was, despite the fact that uh, the forecast was atrocious leading up to it we were scrambling we're like okay do we cancel it do we not cancel it because it was thunderstorms you can't really have people out in the woods when it's lightning out and vince uh the executive director now he said oh we have to do it and heather and i were like i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) we were we were pretty i really don't think so and he's like nope we have to go forward with it and we're like all right let's go to costco and get all the supplies and it ended up being a beautiful night yeah i don't i I was gonna say i don't remember it raining once we made the decision i think the storms must have been all around us but they were not on flanders yeah yeah we were in this magical little pocket of yeah. nothingness and we were we were having calls pretty much scheduled every couple hours uh-huh. just to check the forecast and yeah and then you have to communicate out because everybody's calling Vanessa saying is the race going to happen and yeah well there's there's so many moving parts to actually pulling off the race and making it happen so you have all the athletes that have signed up but then you have all the volunteers mm-hmm. you're dealing with yes and, and being able to 
it's difficult to pivot at a certain point. Like once you commit to something, you kind of have to go through right. it. It's not just deciding like, hey, I'm not showing up for this race anymore. It's like the fact that you're organizing it is a very different perspective on things. Right, right. And yeah, and so that's why we thought for sure we'd have not a lot of people show up just because of the forecast. Because it was iffy, and you know? Yeah. yeah, and it was record turnout. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then also last year, as we're organizing it, you have to start planning in January and nobody knew it was going to happen with, oh, yeah. you know, COVID rules. And so we, Heather and I are like, let's just go for it. We'll try to keep it simple and fortunately it panned out, but we were up until like waiting for the rules to come out in May and June and how were they going to change and can we have that many people? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of pivoting week by week. We, yeah. Yes. yeah I we were, we were, yeah, very, very much go with the flow. I think COVID we've all adapted to, that's just how it has right. to be, yeah. you yeah. know, but it, it really worked out. And to touch again on what Heidi was saying after the first year, like that warm and fuzzy feeling that you get after you've had a successful event, the thing that's really heartwarming for me is we bring all these people to Flanders who may have never, maybe yeah. they've never been there before, you know, but you have like four or 500 people because it's not just the runners. You know, everyone brings someone, it seems mm -hmm. like, yep, you know, children cheering on their parents or parents yeah. cheering on their, their kids. So it's just... It's great to get a lot more people involved and to just like, share Flanders with, with a whole bunch of new folks. You'd mentioned before that this is one of two fundraisers that Flanders does each year. So you said that they have the race? Yeah, the second okay. one is a farm-to-table event, okay. um, which is amazing. It replaced a more traditional silent auction and dinner at a hotel, which okay. they did for many, many years, um, and it was very successful. And then probably about five years ago, they changed it to be farm to tables. Like you have all this beautiful land and a beautiful setting at the Van Vleck Sanctuary. Let's use that as a fundraiser rather than being in a banquet facility, right? Yeah. And so the first one, it was outside and, oh my gosh, torrential, torrential, torrential downpour. So thank God it was that night and not the 5K, oh. um, selfishly. But um, <laughs> yeah, we get chefs from all over, you know, well, locally. We have Dennis from John's Cafe, one of the chefs from New Morning, John from Main Street Grill, and now the Owl. He's the head chef of it all, so coordinating the menus. Arethusa butter, which was amazing. And bread, oh, yeah. bread's not from Arethusa, but the bread we put the butter was really good. And then beverages from Litchfield Distillery. They had an amazing, the first or second year, an amazing blueberry vodka lemonade. Oh, wow. Uh, my husband talks about it all the time. He loved it. And uh, band and then silent auction. So anyway, everybody, you're outside. Tables, big long tables. This was pre-COVID. Tents and just a great setting there. And then with COVID, also, Flanders being as creative as they are and able to flex and meet the, you know, kind of go with the flow, so to speak, they made it a picnic so that you didn't have to all sit there, again, yeah. not knowing what COVID was going to bring. And they did it as uh, picnic baskets. So you order online, you That's have really a choice cool. of three different entrees, all were great. We had so much food. I think we ate it for three days. And you pick it up, volunteers the day before, packing it all in. And again, great. And the idea was that you then go pick it up and you eat it somewhere else. We ended up eating with a bunch of friends down at Cliffside off of um, White Deer Rock Road. And then this year it also rained torrential that day. So they had everybody pick up the day before. So able to still get a very successful event in despite the weather. Yeah, yeah. But the farm to table is great. Sells out every year. So be on the lookout for those emails. What time of year do they normally do that? It is the last weekend in August prior to Labor Day weekend. Okay. Give or take. Third or fourth weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah, they get the race in June and then yep. they have that at the end of the summer. It's kind of bookending their yep, summer. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's smart. I know we spoke about this a little before, but you guys did mention your runners yes. and that you are also doing a, a relay thing this summer. So can we talk a little bit about you, you said you're running from Hartford to Rhode Island? Other way around. Rhode, Rhode Island, Island to Hartford. Rhode Island to Hartford. Yes. And you're splitting that up. You said there's three of you and you're each doing what, like 33 miles? About. They're about, yes. How does that work with transportation? It's like one car left in Rhode Island or are you guys getting dropped off? Oh, no. So we leapfrog. So we all go to the start, all three of us, and we have one car. And then the first runner goes. 
and then she'll, if her first leg is, say, 10 miles, we'll meet her at the transfer for the next runner. Yeah. So you take the car just like with a, a Ragnar. And then, so there's always two people that aren't running and one that is running. And so the one that's running runs, and then the two that aren't drive and meet the other one when she finishes. And so okay. they just keep going. Okay. So there are these designated exchange yes. areas, you yeah. know, yeah. Where, and you have a timing bracelet. It's so it's like the baton. You pass the baton. Okay. And that's the relay aspect and of yeah, it. Is that you're basically yeah. passing this bracelet yep. and that yes. becomes like your team time tracker. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yes. When do you guys actually do that? Is that in the middle of the summer for you? It's the last weekend of August before Labor Day. Labor Day. Right? Okay. <laughs> okay. This yeah. year it's the 27th. Yes. So, oh my God, last year it was so hot and humid the day before, and we got so lucky the next day. Yeah. yeah we had and then it weather. rained a little bit. It all rained a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. It was fun. It was a lot yeah. of fun. And we came in first in our age group, or in our uh, category, so that was fun too. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Do you remember well, what your pace was, your average pace as a we team? We were like right on eight, I think, as a team. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's really strong. Yeah. yeah. That's a good well, pace for a distance like that. Yeah. We, uh, we were tired at the end. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the weather's always a factor we do a um there's a big workout in sort of the crossfit community which has kind of grown past the community called murph and murph is supposed to be and we do it it's kind of known for memorial day murph and the workout is it starts and ends with a mile run and then the middle you do 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 air squats and you can split up the 100 200 300 however you want so a lot of people do 20 rounds of 5 10 20 some people do 10 rounds of 10 20 30 but we used to do this workout on the 4th of July, and there were some years when it was just unbearable, the heat and the humidity. And last year we did it on Memorial Day, and it was a little bit cooler out. So, I mean, the first run definitely felt a little bit brisk, but it just made such a difference being able to not feel like you're being dehydrated, just being outside from the, from the heat and the yeah, humidity yeah, and all that, that other stuff. That, yeah. So the weather always plays a big factor in sort of any of this stuff. Very much so, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Unfortunately, it's... It's one of those things that you you have no control over. Right. And some days you're like, oh, I can just get through this. I'm just going to ignore it. You yeah, can't. Right. You can't. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So I, I will say training for this relay is hard for me. I don't run nearly as much as Heidi does. I was thinking if there were like degrees of running, Heidi is, is like a PhD. <laughs> she has a doctorate in running. And I'm more like, you know, barely a bachelor's okay. probably. <laughs> Yeah, still in school. Yeah, I'm yeah. still right. Exactly. It, she, her, Heidi, just to she would never do this, but just to to Heidi's horn a little bit. She had a goal of 50 marathons by the time she turned 50, and she far exceeded that. Really? So how many marathons? Are I you got at 60 now? by 50. I've 60. done 61 now. 61 marathons. That's a, an absolutely yeah. amazing achievement. Thank you. And then a couple, you know, longer than marathons too. Several. Ultra relays. Yeah, we've done a lot of Ragnars as an ultra team. Only six people. Our first ultra, we actually only had five. That was a little scary. I'm just curious because you mentioned the PhD. How long do your shoes last? Did you are, are you? And the only reason I say is I have a friend who was his wife was an avid runner, and she would literally track her distance in every pair of shoes that she wore. And once she got to whatever the threshold was, it might have been like 50 miles or whatever it could be. Yeah. Regardless of how the shoes looked, they were gone. She would no longer wear them. She would basically get herself a fresh pair. Yeah. Well, the rule of thumb, I think, is about 200 miles. And I have two pair, and I kind of go back and forth, but I don't consistently go back and forth. So I probably get n- a new set of you know, two pair every, like, five months. You could just start to tell. Yeah. You know, you, you start to feel flat, and you're like, okay, time yeah. to go. I'd probably let them go a little bit too long. I, I'm very guilty of that myself. And I don't keep track. I, I run because I enjoy it. You yeah. Know, the more you keep track, the less you en- you enjoy it. You know, yeah. you can't apply math too much to everything. I do that to other things in my well, life. I, I think, yeah, it can become a form of meditation in some ways, especially totally. in the longer runs yeah. where you're just out there for, you know, I mentioned before that I did the Bimbler's Bluff last year, which was mm-hmm. my first 50K trail run. I, I've never done, I'd never done anything near that distance. So I got to mile... 10 and it was like hello uncharted territory here we go yeah yeah and i think there is something about just being out there for that period of time and it's kind of just you and your thoughts and one of the things that drove me nuts is i got stuck 
I was a little bit ahead of this one couple and they were talking the entire time and it drove me absolutely nuts. I just want to be with my thoughts and kind of just move and yeah. enjoy nature. And the last thing I want to hear is a conversation between two people. And I was impressed, first of all, like how much they were able to talk. They I should was, have been running a little faster. That's then. what I was saying. If they have this much energy to basically have a full conversation with another person while they're going through the woods. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to go faster, get ahead of them. And then I couldn't get ahead of them. And it's just, it was, wasn't very fun. But uh, but I do think it can be a form of meditation for a lot of people just to yeah. be out there for that period of time. And Yeah, no music, just you and the thoughts in your head. There are a lot of meetings that I start with. Well, uh, this morning when I was running, I was thinking that we should do this. You get, yeah. like, you think about everything, work, yeah. life. Who knows what? Do you have a routine for running? You meant, do you do a morning run every day or? I don't run every day anymore. I used to. I only run about three or four days a week. Okay. Um, the others, I go to your, the gym up the road. Sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> I go to Thrive. Actually, I met the owner of Thrive not too long ago. Yeah. He's a, Tom's a great guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, he's usually, he volunteers for the Flanders race too. And I found that once I started incorporating more strength, mm-hmm. I think I'm slowing down at a slower rate as I get older, than if I just kept kind of plugging away and just putting in the sheer miles. It is, I think there is a real benefit towards, we do quite a bit of strength training here, and my mother is 70, should be, I want to say she's like 77, and she's in here three days a week, and one of her big focuses is making sure she's getting her squats, her deadlifts, and her lifts, and that I think by getting these other muscle groups stronger, it will make you a stronger runner. Yeah. Um, and I think it also has a big benefit towards minimizing potential risk of injury mm-hmm. where yeah. it's no longer just this repetitive cycle where you're working the same muscle groups every day. You are treating the body like more of a well-balanced system instead of just a singular focus, just go, 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 go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so it's Definitely nice. It's nice. It's, 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 I think it's important to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing against Thrive. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, do you know the Guerreras, either of you, by any chance? Yes. Rob Growing and up in Waterbury, Rob and I were in school together. And, okay. You know, he was a basketball player. I was a cheerleader. That, okay. Yeah, so no, I have known them forever. So I, I went out with them, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks to a month ago, and we went to uh, Pies and Pints in Middlebury, and I think Tom from Thrive happened to be there at the time. I, I, Rob is someone who just seems to know everybody. Yes. And so he's like, hey, Tom, and they... He introduced us, and I had a really nice conversation with the guy. So. Yeah, no, Tom's wonderful. Yeah, I can't believe you haven't met him before. Just You guys are so close. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go walk over there yeah, and knock on the door. Yeah, just being around town. and it, yeah. I, I'm sure it's a very similar thing where, you know, I, I joke that this gym is a bubble, and I'm yeah. kind of like stuck in this bubble. And, you know, I spend, me and my brother are here basically seven days a week. It's our first class is at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then the last class goes until like 6.30. So it's a long day. Yeah. And then you get these little gaps in the day to, you know, no. go get lunch or do whatever you got to do. But right. it, it, it's, there's only so many hours in a day. Right. And so on weekends, we have a little more free time. But then we also want to make sure we're getting out of the gym and right. do other things and have a life somewhere. Yep. So it's always a balancing act. Yep. So can we talk, if we can go back to Flanders a little bit. Sure. I know I mentioned, you know, we've sponsored the race since 2015. Uh, I'd like to maybe if we can touch on some of your other sponsors really quick and sure. give them a quick little shout out for you guys. And I'd like to actually, we'll highlight them again at the end of the episode if you can too. Yes. Yeah. But thank I, you I know for mentioning Ion Bank that. is always top of the list. Ion Bank is yes. right up there this year again. Yep. That, a great, great supporter. Yeah. Ion is a... They're the ultra marathon level along with um, Showcase Realty this year. That's a new sponsor also at the ultra marathon level. Um, at the marathon level, we have um, Friedman Orthodontics. They've been supporters of they, the I race from the beginning. There, from the very beginning. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. Half marathon, we have Aquarion Water. I think they've also been yeah. since, since the beginning. The beginning. Yes. Yep. I feel like you guys um, have a very faithful list of sponsors. We like, do. They, we they do. seem to be a lot of repeat yeah. sponsors. I know we try to do it every year. Yes. But we're always open to broadening that family, so anybody else is yes. welcome to be a sponsor. It's not too late. Too yes, late for the shirt, sure. but... Absolutely. The law offices of Dana D'Angelo, she's mm-hmm. also a committee member. She's very much involved. Are um, they in Woodbury by any chance, do you know? She's in Middlebury. Dana's Middlebury. in Middlebury, okay. yes. Um, Homes by Heather, that's my real estate company. Moore, O'Brien, and Fody, that's a local law firm. The I think they're Moore new this year, too. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Rich and John's. I think they're new this year as well. Chimney Service, Fitness on Maine. Woodbury, Woodbury Fitness on Maine. Woodbury Fitness on Maine, yeah. They're new this year? 
new this year. And then we have the 10K level Connecticut Home Navigator, um, Gager, Bauer, and Scalzo. That's a law firm. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Lynch and Sons. They've sponsored for a couple of years. Manzi Insurance and Real Estate. The Senich Law Firm. He's been a consistent sponsor as well. Yes. Yep. Uh, and um, Stone Veterinary Hospital. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Gary Westerman. And Westerman is a board member of Flanders. They're very Flanders-involved people. Woodbury Brewing has also been around since... Like almost the beginning. Almost the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Yes. They were I mean, since only they like, opened. What, like three, four years old right now, I think? So they're right. probably since the yeah. first year that yeah. they opened. Since so I think they've right. been, yeah. Yeah, yep. since they're first. And they have a great spot. I'm actually, I was really excited when they opened up in Woodbury because I feel like it was something a little bit different. Like it's nice to yes. have, and they always do a good job. I know, you know, Paul's husband, Rich, plays there quite yeah. a bit, but they're always trying to get live music in there. And I think it's a nice place to go that's, you know, not just marketplace or your restaurant. It's, it's just a little bit different, which is, yeah. I think that's always exciting to see. Yeah. yeah. No, Alan's been really involved in the, the Flanders helping us with, you know, trying to be creative and getting music, giving us suggestions, always the beer. Yeah. Um, this year they're sponsoring the band, but they can't be there selling beer. So we're going to miss them, but we will have the mobile pub there this year. Okay. So that's new and they're very excited. And they'll be selling Woodbury Brewing Company beer. Yes, they will. But Woodbury Brewing can't be there themselves this year. So right. Is it's, that an availability thing or is it like a licensing thing or a liability? There were some issue. logistical okay. yeah, challenges yeah. this year that we just ended up working with the mobile pub and then it was great that they said that they would sell the Woodbury Brewing Company and beer. Is the, the mobile pub is that like a food truck pub type thing I, i'm just i'm yes. just not familiar with them okay it's like a bar on wheels okay really <laughs> yes yeah it is you'll see them at different events yeah it looks almost like a camper isn't yeah. it like a teardrop camper yeah it's really they have a yeah. couple of different ones yeah. now so i'm not sure what will but it's a locally owned business okay um, you'll see them like at fairs i think they've been to the you know bethlehem fair march farm in bethlehem when they have yes. the live music up there mm -hmm. And then are they going to have a special Flanders cocktail? Yes. I think it's just going to be beer, wine, and then a Flanders, a Flanders summery cocktail, or maple like a, cocktail. Like a maple bourbon yeah. something yeah. or other. Kind of like they do at weddings it. where there's like a custom yeah. drink or so whatever. So to keep it yeah. simple, but still, I think enough for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're excited about that. Some of our other sponsors, Strongtown Fitness, of course. Of course. Um, we're there. Our, a we're very back. loyal sponsor. We're happy to have you guys. And all, you know, a lot of people from your gym yes. participate in the race too. Um, Ken's Hardware, uh, the Savings Bank of Danbury, and the Southbury Printing Center. I think I have them all. Did I miss anyone? So we're very thankful for all of our sponsors yeah. that help make this such a, a wonderful event for everyone. We'll also have Weenie Lens. It's like a hot dogs okay. um, food truck. More than hot dogs. I don't have her menu in front of me, but very popular. She's been at Flanders Farm Day and and other things on the Flanders property, and people really seem to like it. We'll also have GV Bites, which is like empanadas, tacos, that avocado toast, yeah. stuff like that. And then Flanders will be selling whatever we need to fill in the gaps, like hamburgers. Hamburgers, probably mostly hamburgers, and then chips and cookies and yeah. water yeah, and soda and Gatorade. Of things. And the ice cream truck comes every oh, year. Oh, and the ice cream truck will okay. be there, of course. <laughs> yep. Yes. So lots of good food and drink options. The Bluesyland band, that should be a lot of fun. And let's just hope the weather is as lucky as we I have know. been in years past. Well, I feel like this past week, it seemed like the temperature dropped again. Like yeah. I feel like it was getting warm, then all of a sudden the temperature dropped. I think next week, I'm hoping it actually starts feeling a little bit more like spring. And then but by June, it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to just things warming up and being able to get outside a little bit more. Yeah, not too much, though, because I don't really like running in um, heat. Yeah. The heat isn't bad. It's like the humidity, the humidity that becomes yeah, humidity, like the worst right. part of it. So. You mentioned you have a real estate company. You're one of the sponsors. I didn't know this. Yeah, I'm a realtor. I'm affiliated with Showcase Realty, who's okay. the highest level of, of sponsorship. You know, it's good to have another local company involved in, yeah. in this race for more exposure for Flanders and all of our sponsors as well. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Who does your shirt printing? Is that actually Southbury Printing Company? Is that Fred or do you guys outsource no, that? We, it's not a local business. It's Leslie Jordan. Okay. 
I don't know exactly where they are, but they're not local. We've been using them for years. Someone that was on the initial committee had a previous relationship with them, and so yeah. we've continued to use them. Yeah. yeah. They've been really good to us over the years. And I think last year, the shirts were made of recycled yes, I think plastic they were. water, well, recycled materials, I know. Yeah. Are we allowed to say what the shirt color is this year? Or is that <laughs> oh, like yeah. I don't think it's like Southbury Turkey Trot. Okay. I think we're able to share. <laughs> It's, it's black. Turkey. Yeah, we're having. We, we've black. never had a black shirt. Yeah, they before. look That's nice. Exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Southbury Turkey Trot's not allowed to share the shirt colors. I think a thing they like tried to keep it a club? secret, and then they'll like have a I don't know an unveiling on Facebook like a, a or something. Reveal. Yeah, that's yeah, what I feel something. like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we yeah. try to you know just do a different color every yes. every year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have a pile of the shirts in my my closet actually. Um, I like to collect them each year. Yeah, so it's one of those thing. ones that I just can't seem to get rid of. I wore my 2015 shirt the other day when I was doing something in the yard, oh, really? and it, it's different than the ones that we've been doing. It the, has the, the logo is like small. Oh on yeah, the front. it's not the whole thing. Oh like yeah, we, we used to do a little pocket one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I actually I like the pocket thing sometimes because we have we've had some shirts for the gym made where there's just such a heavy print of ink on the front of it that I feel like the shirt, the fabric doesn't breathe. It's stiff and... Yeah, like it yeah. becomes this like hard spot. So sometimes just having a little, you know, lapel type logo is, and it keeps the shirt a little bit more breathable. It's just a little mm. bit more comfortable at times. Yes. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Now, Heidi, do you do anything outside of, not outside of Flanders, but like, do you have another career? I do have a full-time job. I work for a uh, software company. Now I'm in their analytics division, um, but we, uh, our software collects data end to end for clinical trials. So fun fact, 70% of the world's population this year, because of the COVID drugs, took a drug, including vaccines that were developed on our platform. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, wow. Really? 70% of the world's population. Of the world's population. Yeah. Wow. So we had, uh, we had the Moderna trials were on our platform it's like what uh, two Jansen. billion people potentially? Yeah, I don't know who came on, who in our marketing team came up with that number, yeah. but I, we <laughs> ran with it. <laughs> take it, sure. Yeah, we'll yeah. take it. Seventy percent. Yeah. Wow. So I've been there for a long time, and I it's a good company. Do, is that remote work for you, or do you guys actually have an office that you go into? Our offices, our headquarters are in Soho in Manhattan. I have always been remote, even pre-COVID. Okay. Yeah. So fortunately, because I couldn't do that commute and run. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to the gym, I, I work as a landscape architect. And, oh, wow. And we do, I work for a small firm, and we're in the firms in Westchester, we're in Katona area, but the majority of the work we do is for uh, schools in New York City. So we do a lot of work for the school construction authorities, so basically school playgrounds, athletic fields, and stuff like that. Um, oh, wow. So I was able to work remotely for a little bit, and um, fortunately my boss doesn't listen to this show, but he's a little bit old school and isn't a big fan of the remote work thing. Yeah. And uh, so I go into the office a few days a week and then I do some of the early morning stuff here and then I'm kind of back and forth. But yeah, it's a, it's a long drive. It is, yeah. And once we have a project that goes into construction, it's kind of going into the city every two So we do, it's like the borough area. So we have a lot of stuff in Brooklyn, the Bronx, unfortunately staten island which is my least favorite place ever it's hard to get to too there's no easy way to get there yeah. like i end up going through jersey and going over was it like the gothels i think to try mm -hmm. to get into the island somewhere it's just not fun and there's always just a ton of traffic yeah and there's like a thousand mechanic shops on the island and i don't know why they need to be so many mechanics <laughs> on one island but it's, it keeps me active yeah. so the third member of our rhymecon team yeah she is a professional private gardener Okay. So she is very talented, amazing work. Her clients are mostly New Canaan area, so she has a little bit of a commute as well. well but I, when you say landscape architecture, I'm like, oh my god. I know. Yeah. I, I I give her a lot of credit. I am absolutely awful with plants. I, so <laughs> the fact that I do so many schools, we do a lot of hardscaping. So, oh, okay. And also, schools for the most part will be able to do a small planted area, but it's a very limited palette of plants that are basically approved to be used. So we need to. We can't do anything too bushy because you're concerned about kids potentially hiding stuff in, in the plants. So there oh need gosh. to be things that are, yeah, stuff you never there think are certain about. species that are kind of approved and we kind of have our palette of plants that we can use that are allowed to be used. And then that's kind of what we so you have work to be with. creative in a box. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. As opposed to, I know some of these 
I had course mates in college who their their knowledge of plants and planting material and even just friends that have gone into more residential stuff is so far above and beyond what I'm comfortable with. What I do kind of borders almost a little bit more in civil engineering as opposed to sort of like residential Oh, interesting. Design. Yeah. And there's not much of a crossover between that and the gym for me. I just enjoy the gym stuff. So. And <laughs> or, how, how, do, how do you manage to do both? Is that a nine to five? Um, yeah. So I, obviously I have flexibility at the gym and I've been at this firm since 2006. So I, I've been there a while. It's a very small firm. For a while it was just me and the, uh, the owner. And now there's a, a third employee. I do three really long days there and sort of a fourth half day. And that gets me my hours that I need there. And then I can, I, I do the 5 a.m. stuff at the gym right now. So I can still do some of the morning stuff here. And then I, I live in Newtown. So I, I stop at home and shower and then I head down there. And, but it's, uh, it, it's a long, long week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's sometimes I feel like I'm burning the candle from both ends a, a little bit. And when I was younger, it was one thing, but now uh, I'm getting a little bit older, starting to catch up to me a little bit more. How long have you guys been here? 2011. Okay. So we, we opened up this gym. Uh, it was my brother and I in 2011. We're in kind of the space where we're sitting now. This room was basically 4,000 square feet. And I think in 2017, we expanded next door. So we took on, you know, we have two garage bay doors here, and we took on like one more bay door. So it's basically half of this. So we have 6,000 square feet total. Oh, wow been a process over the years i actually the couch you guys are seeing on is from the Guerreros, but i joke that we collect couches in this room this is kind of like <laughs> the kids lounge oh yeah yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and you know it, the gym is something that uh i've always enjoyed that it brings people together that wouldn't have otherwise come together so true yeah. and it's just it's a networking thing like we have people that have met their spouses here that have when my parents sold their house there's a couple from the gym that actually bought their house so things like that oh, are, are these so like nice. It's almost, they're not intangible in some ways, but they're these connections that have been made, which mm -hmm. are, which I, I think that's the real value of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. We see the same thing up the road. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think anytime you, it's, it's just, it's a community thing. Yeah. So it's like people will come together, they have their place that they work out and. Their um, spot and their time. Yes. Time yes. slot, very yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. We have a couple of people that bounce around, but for the most part, yes, people have their time and their class and that's their group. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I sometimes joke that, you know, like the 6 a.m. group, and fortunately people do know each other here. We try to do social events outside the gym to bring people together. But it's, uh, we had one coach who he only coached for a long time. He was just coaching basically Wednesday, 6 a.m.s. And we had, we had a lot of members who'd never met this individual. They had no idea who he was. And it's just because he was in his own little morning bubble and then they're in their evening bubble and, you know, they'd, the paths never, never cross. What? Heather, Heidi, I, I appreciate having you guys on here today. This was a lot of fun to talk and actually meet you guys. I, I know Paul is involved with the race each year, but I, I feel like it's been nice to actually sort of get some of the behind-the-scenes info. Uh, do you guys have any sort of parting words or anything you'd like to leave us with about the race? I know it's it's Friday, June 3rd. People can sign up online, so it's $25. I actually feel like it might be cheaper this year than it's been in the past. It is because we used to give out some food tickets okay. with that. And then you would get, you know, you go get pizza or whatever. But with last year, with not knowing what would happen with COVID, we wanted to keep it simple. So we said, all right, let's just say, like if the government or the state yeah. could have said, okay, no food. And we're like, okay, well, these people already paid for food. We wanted to make it so that you just got the admission and then you buy the food. And yeah. it worked out well. Yeah. If you want food, so it is great. A little cheaper. If you don't, you know, so it's, you yeah. just buy your own food. Really? Yeah, That's kind of, yeah. Is, what no late fee, just right. straight fee, regardless of when you register. And yeah, we just wanted to keep it very yeah. simple. So we, it is cheaper. Than yes, and we do have um, same-day registration, too. Okay. Um, now you can sign up so online. So you can literally show up the day of the race and register if you'd like to. Yes, yes, just get there early, like by 5, okay. probably. But we'll be taking same-day registrations. Because um, we did almost event. hit our max last year. Yeah. Yes. What is, yeah, we wouldn't, is the max like 500 for you guys, or do you know what it is? Four or 500. I okay. can't remember what was, but there, because you know what happens is on the trail, as you know, it could get condensed. Yes. And then, so we have the staggered start. So you can really, we want to make sure that we don't, there aren't too many people for the actual yeah. course itself. Right? And I will say, I've done some races where they don't do the staggered start. It's tough on a trail. And it is such a bottleneck. So I'm planning, I want to do that Bimbler's race again. And they have an early start at 7 a.m. if you feel like you're going to need more time. And uh, there's a few people from the gym who are going to be doing it. And I think we're all just trying to go at 7 a.m. So I 
feel like I can actually run the race I want to run. Mm-hmm. Because last year it started and the loop was like you go around a track and then you kind of go off into the trail. But once you went into the trail, it turned into basically single file and you're just walking. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a long enough race. I'm like, I know there are going to be points of the race where I'm going to have to walk. But that's frustrating at the but beginning. But especially at the beginning when I'm like, this is when I feel like I'd like to run. I'm trying to mm-hmm. find my pace and now I'm being forced to walk when I don't want to walk. Right. And people don't respect the way that you're supposed the to line up. That you're supposed right. to, if you're slow, you're supposed to start at the back. Yeah. And fill in. People, you get slow people up front. Yeah. And then you can't get past them. Yeah. yeah that, right. That's pretty yeah. frustrating. Yeah, because it's not a road. There are areas where you can pass, and there's areas where you're just kind of stuck in your... Your lane? Yeah, your, your lane, basically. And I've always tried to... There's, I think there's one hill, which is after like one of the aid stations on Flanders, where it gets really narrow and starts going uphill. Yes. And that's something I normally walk that hill. But if I hear someone coming up from behind me, I always try to move over to the side and just let them pass. Mm-hmm. And then I'll keep hiking up the hill. But Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, sir. No, no. We got off on a tangent there. That's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I think, enjoy the tangents. Um, more for our, just to kind of wrap it up and r- recap a little bit, we thank you very much for having us here. It was nice to meet you and yeah. have, have this conversation and help spread the word about the, about the event. We appreciate our sponsors, of course, and all of our volunteers. Yes. Um, if you don't want to run the race, you can always come volunteer. Um, you, a lot of people walk it. A lot of people walk. It's easy yeah. to just do half yes. the way the course is set up. A lot of people walk just the first loop and then stop and have a beer the, and a pizza. Yeah, they go to the, the aid station, yeah. sort of, which is a, that's a nice little midway point yep. of the race. Mm-hmm. I never made that connection before. Yep. And yes. So Friday, June 3rd. Friday, June What 3rd. time does the race start? Is it 6, 6. p.m.? Okay. That's like gun goes off at 6. Okay. You know, so we'll close the road around 5.30, so definitely get there by 5.00 especially if you haven't registered yet, but you want to get there before we close the road. Right. Yeah, because it starts yeah. off running down the road, actually. Across the road. Down the road. Yeah. The, the start yeah. of this race throws me off every year because it's basically you're running down a hill and then you immediately turn to going up a hill. Yeah. It's just like it just spikes my heart rate really <laughs> quick. And uh, it's, yeah, everyone has the energy at the start, so they're going really fast and it's like down and up. It's like, all right, here we go. Yes. Yeah. Well, not your average trail run. That's that's what we say. It is, it is fun. So, Heather, Heidi... All right. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank and, you for uh, having us. I will, I will see you both on uh, June 3rd. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we look forward yeah. to it. Please All say right. hi. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strongtown Talks. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. We are always grateful for any feedback we get.